0: Hello there, you're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill, and I am sick, and Dylan is out of town. But that's okay, the show goes on. Today, we'll be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. And later in the show, I'll be joined by two guests for a spooky edition of Guest Flick Picks, where we'll be talking about Wes Craven's slasher classic, Scream. Alright, for some news, we have trailer talk. Some new trailers have dropped, leave the world behind, from Sam Esmail, who did Mr. Robot, starring Ethan Hawk, Julia Roberts, Kevin Bacon, Mahershala Ali, stacked cast, and it looks very fascinating, very mysterious trailer. Something goes wrong with the cyber attack, reduces everyone back to essentially a primitive age, um, but it's told in a more grounded way of seemingly just this family Uh, this couple that gets visited by Mahershala Ali who seems to have many of the answers to the questions that they and everyone else has about what is going on so very excited for that coming out in December again on Netflix and then The Iron Claw starring Zac Efron, Jeremy Allen White, Harris Dickinson Also has MJF from AEW in there uh, as one of the brothers of the Von Erich family. So that's pretty fascinating. Um, But yeah, definitely looking forward to that. It looks so good. I had it as one of the honorable mentions for my most anticipated films, but had I seen this trailer way back when we made that list, this would have made the top 10 for sure. Looks fantastic. And Zac Efron seems like this is going to be a great performance he he gives so very much looking forward to this um, and yeah it's going to be a brutal film for sure but i think it'll it'll be great the sag and amt amp tp negotiations have hit a snag they have halted so that's very unfortunate we thought with the momentum from the wga negotiations ending in a contract that uh, they'd be able to strike a deal uh, between SAG and the producers. But unfortunately, that has not happened. So for at least a couple more weeks, there will be radio silence between the two parties. And then hopefully they'll be able to get back together and resolve this. But yeah, it's looking like there's going to be quite a few delays for the 2024 schedule, uh, the slate in that year since we may not even have anyone be able to start filming until very, very late 2023, but that'll be holidays anyway. So most likely early 2024. So that's rough. Very unfortunate. Uh But yeah, hoping for a quick, speedy, and fair resolution to that uh, ongoing strike. Daredevil born again, huge shakeup. They have apparently filmed a few episodes already they're already you know knee-deep into production of course it was halted during the strikes but they were going to get back on it once it ended however they are now taking this opportunity to completely reboot their approach to the forthcoming disney plus show uh kevin feige and the marvel execs apparently were looking over what they had so far and decided that it was not up to par. So they're scrapping everything that's come so far. They're getting rid of the head writers, all the remaining directors that were going to come on, Um, and they're announcing that they're going to have a strategy of hiring showrunners to actually steer the ship from pre-production into post-production. What a novel idea, right? But Marvel has just been churning it out factory-style with execs being the... uh, ones that are in that overseer role there's been well-documented uh you know issues with she-hulk and secret invasion um so i think moon knight as well had a lot of uh writers and uh directors that were getting dropped or getting brought back on and then dropped again and so yeah it was not the best approach to making a television Um, And so they have finally seemed to realize the errors in their past approach. However, we can't give too much credit to Marvel for this because it's almost certainly uh, guided by the new contract for the writers for WGA, um, which has a lot more clear uh, needs for writers rooms. And that includes show earners who can be writers and producers on a project but certainly like that role is essential and it is being now uh woven in to how marvel will approach television so this wasn't just an epiphany they had and they suddenly realized the usefulness of it the uh the new contract and the writer's strike forced their hand a bit but hopefully it'll be good all around for the writers who will not have a steadier job and a clear creative vision better for marvel and the execs since the product that they're going to put out will actually be well received or at the least be competent and then for the audience as well hopefully we'll get good projects so hopefully this will be a win all around all right now for the box office breakdown for october 6th to the 8th the exorcist believer in its debut, twenty six million, so a solid debut. Didn't quite hit thirty million, but did really well for itself. Paul Patrol, Mighty Movie, coming in second place with eleven million. Saw X, seven point eight million. The Creator, with six point two million, has about sixty four million worldwide. So that is again not great. We had uh, reviewed it on our grab bag. Wasn't the uh, original sci-fi gem we were hoping for it to be, but still wish people would go out, give it a chance, make sure that it is profitable so that people will take, studios will take more risks on giving us some original sci-fi. But alas, doesn't seem like we'll uh, get many of those in the future since Creator has underperformed. The Blind, 3.2 million. A Hunting in Venice. Still kicking around here with 2.6 million. The Nun 2, $2 2.6 million. Dumb Money, 2.1 million. Equalizer 3, 1.8 million. And a re release of Hocus Pocus for the Halloween season, 1.6 million. Now for the box office predictions for October 13th to the 15th Taylor Swift, the era's tour. It is time. It is the Swifties weekend. Now there have been. There was, as we announced when it first happened, the presales, the twenty-four hour presales, was breaking records left and right. So this was going to be a huge phenomenon. Regardless, it's going to make more money in its opening weekend than any other concert film has in its full theatrical run, at least domestically. So how big can it open though? There were people speculating that it could, you know, nip at Barbie's heels or even surpass Barbie as the biggest opening of the year. I was never quite on that train, but I was always thinking that 100 million plus opening was possible. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it'll be around there. Don't know if I want to say it'll be yeah anywhere near 120 or 150, anything like that, um, but it'll be a behemoth for sure. And it could take the October record from Joker, which I believed open to ninety-one million. So yeah, I think it it might just squeeze in there beating out Joker, um, but maybe falling short of hundred mil. But either way, massively impressive. Taylor Swift, what a year for her. Alright, let's now dive into the main segment: the guest flick pick scream. Be warned. We do spoil the entire franchise. So if you have not seen any of the Scream films. Do yourself a favor, go watch them, get caught up, and then return back here to listen to our conversation. And if you have watched The Scream Films, then here we go. Enjoy. And now I'm joined by two guests to talk about Scream on none other than Friday the 13th. Blake Nibaker and Andrew Hilo, both of your guys' first time on the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, thanks for having
0: us. All right, so before we jump into Scream, because there's a very particular reason why we're talking about that film this Halloween season, um, I just want to get your guys' overall thoughts and opinions on the horror genre in general, because I myself am not a horror guy. Although I have been, you know, expanding my boundaries lately and watching some horror films, but they're like the baby horror films that usually are tied with another genre to make it easier to digest. Um, but how are you guys feeling about horror? Do you love it?
2: I love it. It's my favorite genre. Um, it's been my favorite genre for a really, really long time. Um, there's, you know, a wide range of horror that I love. Um, I think it's one of the most diverse genres. There's a lot of subgenres that, you know, there's a lot for everybody. Um, and, like, you know, I've seen some of the first horror movies, like Nosferatu or The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari or whatever, to, like, some of the newer ones, like, some of the newer Screams or even, like, The Way the Blue Blood and Honey, uh, which, you know, we don't have to talk about. 'Cause it's not that great. Um, um aren't they yeah. making
0: uh is Peter Pan next? Isn't that isn't I that think... now going into public domain and so they're gonna do another horror film but with Peter yeah. Pan?
2: Yeah, I've I've heard something along those lines. Um I also watched uh the Grinch horror movie, the main one. Oh yeah. Um so you know there's there's a wide range of, of horror movies, so gotcha. What about you, Andrew?
1: See, I I wasn't the biggest fan of horror uh going into this year, I'd say. Um but since uh Blake and I shot Slate Slasher, I kinda had to, you know, step up my horror education, I guess. Uh starting with I guess Scream, um where I watched all six for the first time in three days with blake (laughs) um and i really i really loved scream um and then now we're doing like the midnight movie society uh where it's like eight phases of horror every week so i'm kind of you know getting to that level of like appreciating horror but i'm still not like i don't like a lot of the tropes i think that's why i like scream a lot but um the you know some of the like interesting parts about like we watched a film last night called raw and it was like intense but the way they shot it the way they kind of like uh messed up your head like psychologically um it's just really interesting and you know i i'd say my favorite horror movie is the thing Mm. so kind of like the the among us movie um (laughs) (laughs) but like the like uh sense of like not knowing like the unpredictability of like horror movies can be like really fun to me and i also like science fiction so it kind of you know it's like pretty good so gotcha
0: <laughs> awesome so you started watching scream this year earlier this year uh yeah and then blake when were you first exposed to scream
2: uh when i was a kid honestly i When I was a baby, I used to watch, like, you know, Alien and all the Aliens movies and, you know, not get phased. And then my older brother, uh, you know, scared me when I was a baby. And so, like, from, like, four to, like, 16 almost, I uh, didn't watch a single horror movie. I was too scared. I thought that they were, like, the worst thing ever, and I would never be able to sit through one. And then... I saw what I didn't know at the time, the opening scene to scream 4 And I was like, this is also way too scary. Uh, and then like, I sat down with like my mom and my stepdad and like watched that, um, eventually. And I was like, Oh, this is like, this is fun. Like horror movies can be fun and like funny and like have like, not just be full of scares or just like scar you for life. Um, so then I eventually started watching all of them and I just fell in love with the character of, that is Ghostface and every single other character that's in like the franchise. Cause I think that uh, a lot of the times, um, like great horror movies have like great characters that like you care about, like if or when they die. Um, and I feel like the Scream franchise does a really great job of like fleshing out those characters and like really caring um you know when they die um and like especially how they die because a lot of the kills are are pretty gnarly um especially as the franchise goes on um but yeah it's it's been it's been my life for a pretty long time probably like one of the first horror movies i've seen and probably the the horror movie i've seen the most now um is the first one so gotcha yeah i
0: started uh watching some of the scream films i haven't watched all six i've seen one two five and six which is a weird uh a thing but yeah you can
2: skip three and four
0: it's yeah. Okay. yeah that's <laughs> what I sort of hurt. so i wasn't you in a rush two, to watch know. those yeah um so i uh it was when scream five was about to come out i think is when I, I was like oh this is one of those very popular very famous uh horror franchises but as you said like it is taking a more satirical approach to it. Like it's tongue in cheek in a lot of ways. So I'm like, okay, I can watch it as a comedy and there will be scares in it, but there will be a lot of things that will be able to make that more digestible. Um, So I watched it and really enjoyed it. Watched scream five. And then I can't remember if I watched scream two before I watched scream six, just as like a pattern there. Maybe I'll watch scream three before (laughs) next time and just knock them out that way. Um, but yeah, that was my introduction to it, and I really enjoyed it. Um, But I know there's no way I could have enjoyed it more than you, Blake, because this is not just one of the earliest films you've seen for the horror mm-hmm. genre. It's not the one you've seen the most. It is also your favorite, mm-hmm. favorite film yeah. of all time, too. Uh,
2: It it switches between that and Scott Pilgrim a lot. Uh, You know, I got Scott Pilgrim literally mm-hmm. in in my veins now. In my blood uh so you know i have to get the ghost face tattoo sometime as well but um yeah definitely definitely my favorite uh horror movie um like i said those two probably had seen the most often as well um but yeah i was really really excited when i heard that scream five or scream you know whatever you want to call it uh was coming out because it was like one of the first times that like a movie that like I had nostalgia for was coming out like a lot of movies were coming out like around that time um that were like really banking on nostalgia um but this was like the first time where I was like oh this is something that like I really like attached with or like I really like recognize um and so I was really excited when uh Scream 5 came out and then Scream 6 was like announced like the same year so I was like really spoiled that year for sure
0: And Scream 7 is on its way. Mm -hmm. Do we know when that's coming out, though, yet? Like, I'm sure it was affected by the strikes, so it won't be 2024.
2: Yeah, there's still... So they have the director um, in talks... Or not in talks, uh, signed on. um, And then they were planning, I think, to do a a Halloween um, release. But I think they have something else releasing around Halloween now, um, like that. Uh, paramount and stuff so i think it'll be pushed back like hopefully not like a full year um but yeah somewhere somewhere around the the year span um rumors gotcha. are that uh nev campbell has signed back on to return as sydney so that would be great um one of the best final girls um, um and then you got the core four, you know, returning so that's true, yeah. Later on we can maybe talk
0: about how that's uh like these new films in the franchise are sort of re energizing it and mm-hmm. capturing some of that old magic the original was able to capture. Um but yeah, let's just start going through why Scream nineteen ninety six, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Is uh
0: one of your all time favorites. So you mentioned some stuff there of like Sydney being one of the best final girls, the uh, the characters being really fleshed out, and you caring about them, whether or not they live or how they die, and all that. Um, so, what are some other elements to it that really stand out about Scream? Uh,
2: the main thing uh, that everyone's going to point out is how meta it is. Uh, it was one of the first uh horror films not one of the first horror films but like one of the first like big successful horror films that really brought in the like meta commentary into horror um you know you can credit wes craven's new nightmare um that came out a couple years prior that uh isn't as well regarded but i would say is like a test run for wes craven's writing and dir- directing for metal horror um also like i said the kills are pretty awesome uh you know, someone gets stuck in a, in a garage, um, you know, someone, you know, Drew Barrymore gets, like, gutted and hanged in the first, uh, scene, which is crazy for an actress like Drew Barrymore, you know, um, which is, like, you know, another thing of the Scream movies, uh, you know, as, as you watch them, you kind of get to be more in touch with, like, who the killer is and why and um, you can kind of guess like halfway through um, but like the first one if you watch it like honestly for the first time um, you're not really going to guess who the killers are you're not gonna guess that there's two killers There there's not really a lot of slashers um, that had two killers at the time um, so that was like a really big thing for Wes Craven um, and yeah, I mean, the the performance by the characters were all great. A lot of them were, like, fairly new in the scene. I mean, you have Courtney Cox, who's, you know, halfway through Friends at the time. Mm-hmm. But she was, like, her and Drew Barrymore were kind of, like, the top-billed uh, cast at the time, and you kill off Drew Barrymore in the first ten minutes of the movie. Um, so, you know, you have to depend on, like, Shaggy and, you know, Dewey, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's it's a lot of stuff that's like it was honestly kind of like a perfect storm in in my eyes of just how well it was all crafted and you know uh to get more on the technical side, the cinematography is amazing like it's so um underrated the there's not a lot of like super flashy stuff where you're gonna have like super long takes or like super like winding shots like you know and in like an evil dead or something like that. But they have a lot of like really effective camera angles. Like I took a lot of inspiration from how they used um, Dutch angles um, to really give the scene another bit of edge. Um, They do have a lot of like wide long takes for to like build the suspense. Um, It's it's, uh, really well done. And something that's like really well done in the Scream franchise, in particular, are the chase scenes. Um, yeah, a lot of them, or a lot of like slashers have like stalking scenes where they're like walking, um, like the slashers walking, and then you know, like in Halloween, Michael Myers is always walking, and Lori is just running in circles. Um, but in this, like, they're chasing, they're chasing each other. Um, it's a cat and mouse game the entire time, and it's like another bit of suspense on top of like the already like being stalked um portion
0: of it yeah for sure that point too of like the killer the ghost face killer that we know in this one is definitely just a regular guy in a mask like there's no supernatural thing about it we see multiple times like people throw a freezer door in his face or throw a door Mm -hmm. in his face and he like gets knocked down things like that so I think that adds another element, too, of he is not impervious. Mm-hmm. So that makes it even scarier when he's, like, struggling and trying to attack you and he's sloppy with it. Um, but it shows it's, like, a real person, like, a real serial killer, and that's under that mask. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that sets it apart for sure. And, yeah, the the opening. I mean, we got to chat about that. Certainly one of the most iconic openings ever as you mentioned like the whole Drew Barrymore thing where she was like top billing you're assuming okay she's going to be the big star of this and then she's out in the first like 10 to 15 minutes um in a super brutal way too mm-hmm. like rewatching it this week it's just so like all of it is so tense and like incredible and engaging in that early part in the cat and mouse chase portion as you were saying but when she's like about to scream out to her parents, but she can't. And they're like walking in the house and they just miss her. It's mm-hmm. like, dang, that is so brutal. Yeah. Um,
2: so yeah, well, that, was, it's, that was crazy. It's uh, it's it's super visceral. Um, you know, she gets stabbed in the neck, which is, you know, makes sense and why she can't scream out for, for help, uh, which is another thing. Um, a lot of slashers kind of, forget that their victims get stabbed or where and why, but I feel like Scream is a fairly good um, continuity of, you know, if you're gonna get stabbed, you're gonna get, stay stabbed for the entire uh, thing. Like, Dewey gets stabbed uh, in, in the back in this first movie and he keeps a limp throughout the entire franchise. Um, so, uh, yeah. And then, you know, with the Drew Barrymore thing, um, she was actually supposed to play Sydney. Um, she was signed on as Sydney, um, but she got double booked, um, and she was like, "I still want to be in Scream." So she was like, "How long would it take for just the opening scene?" And they're like, five days." And they're like, "Cool, I can do a five-day opening scene." Um, so and and she thought it was like her idea to do the opening scene as well because she knew how big of a star she was, how big of a rising star she was. And to have, you know, that kind of star power be killed off would be somewhat reminiscent of Psycho with Janet Lee. Um but yeah, it was a it was a thing of like I said, a perfect storm of just she did a lot or not a lot, like all of the commercialized stuff, like all the posters, you see her, she's in the front, she's in the middle. Um, even that like iconic face of like the surprise face on the screen, like that's her so um it's it's kind of crazy that one of the most iconic characters is killed off in the first 10 minutes
0: absolutely but yeah i think the like that being a reference to psycho i think is great and obviously there's a lot of other unspoken but also directly spoken homages and references Mm -hmm. to other franchises like in that beginning one as well he's asking about scary movies um which I also think it's funny that uh, they mention Nightmare on Elm Street, and then they mention all the sequels sucked, and it's mm. like West Craven out yeah. here saying y'all couldn't do it as good as me.
2: No, oh, yeah, he knows,
0: he knows. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just so funny, like referencing your own horror film as one of the most iconic things. I mean, good on him for knowing mm. uh, how much he influenced it, and then he did it again
2: with Scream. Like, imagine yeah. that. Yeah, reinventing um, the slasher genre in two different decades. Exactly. It's pretty awesome.
0: Uh, but then other things like Halloween is playing on the TV. Mm-hmm. So you have those great moments where the whole guy's like saying, oh, turn around. Like, come on, turn around. He's right there. Yeah, He's behind you. And of course, ghost faces stalking him, walking up right behind him. Yeah. Like, you have a lot of fun with
2: it, I think. Which is... Um, another really great like medicine, because he says like, turn around, Jamie, turn around I'm talking about Jamie Lee Curtis, but his name, like his, his real name, actor name is Jamie Kennedy. So he's has another double meaning on top of that. So that's, it's a pretty awesome thing.
0: That's funny. Um, so yeah, Andrew, with your first viewing happening like earlier this year, you i'm sure knew already of blake's love and passion for it um so there's always that risk of like your best friend showing you uh something they love and then it's like oh gosh am i gonna like it or (laughs) not? oh yeah (laughs) so what was it like watching that and what were the things that like you really enjoyed about it
1: so i kind of went into it like i felt like i was Going to like it, like I felt. I didn't know how much I was going to like it, but I was like, "Oh, this one seems like something that I could like potentially like, especially for the horror genre, which I wasn't like a super big fan of." Um, but it kind of like blew me away with how much I loved it, um, and. Like I was like, oh no, I'm gonna watch six scream movies in three days. It's like gonna be terrible. Um, I did a similar thing with like Twilight. <laughs> that, that was that was not fun. But uh, this one, this was fun. I was always kind of like looking forward to the next one. Um, there were you know a few ones that I did not like. I was uneasy about five and six that because like three and four were, you know, not that great. But um, the first one for sure, like I didn't know how well or like how I would notice the cinematography. Like I kind of just noticed it. Like I was like, oh, they're really like playing around with the camera to be like this character, like this horror character that like – any horror fan can like recognize that horror character of the camera and, but it, it has like this satirical, like ironic taste to it just because it plays like another movie that Blake showed me. That's one of his favorites that I didn't really like that much <laughs> was cabin in the woods. Mm. And that was kind of like a meta horror take but it was more like like obviously meta like it was like uh here are the tropes here are the cliches here are the archetypes for horror and here's how we're like manipulating them and it's like very like look at that while scream is very like it's subtle but not so, like anyone can recognize it but it doesn't affect the plot it doesn't affect the characters it, it like it just it's just kind of existing as this, like, scary movie, like this horror film, and which is gives the like sequels meaning when they like actually make the movies based on what happened in the first movie, and um, yeah, the cinematography is excellent. I think the contrast, uh, in that movie, like it's not, it's not like super noticeable like maybe like halloween where you know or like any john carpenter movie i think has like excellent cinematography but um this one's you appreciate the more you watch it i think and you take a lot of small notes that you can use but
0: yeah for sure awesome so going back to that thing of like the the horror tropes that they reference in this one um, like they call out things like the final girl or the whole thing of the virginity. Like if you have sex then you're dead, um, if you say, I'll be right back, you're dead. Um, so all those things, um, what were the like favorite ones for you? I guess just like in general, what are your favorite horror tropes? Cause there definitely is, I feel like an enjoyment with the horror genre in particular of like, yeah, they, walk outside to inspect a noise and it's like, of course, we know that's gonna go wrong, but it like has to happen for the, the scares to come out. So what are either the ones that were in this film or they talked about in this film or just in general the horror tropes that you enjoy?
2: Uh I I really enjoy the uh I mean the the stoner, the partier, the fool um you know is always a great character um that's evolved throughout uh like the genre um also another great trope that's like you know really known is the final girl um that has also really evolved and taken many shapes and forms um they've had you know final girls that just scream that just run around like sally and texas chainsaw massacre um but you also have you know some really great final girls like Nancy and Nightmare on Elm Street that like reads a book on self defense and like creates these traps for Freddy Krueger with like shotgun shells and like light bulbs. and Or even like year next, um, you know, the final girl is the one that like kills all of the killers um, that does like most of the killing throughout the movie. So it's really interesting to see how these tropes evolve like with the time. Um, obviously, like. Like you said, the I didn't realize until I binged the Friday the Thirteenth franchise how often they really do say "I'll be right back" and how often they really don't, or like they really aren't gonna come right back. Um, it's 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 pretty awesome to see. Um, I mean, obviously, the uh, anytime anyone partakes in a slasher, said. Uh, which is you know doing drugs partaking in any sexual activities drinking any of that is also great um you know seeing that in in horror movies is surefire way you know to get to slasher town um also the uh the party or like the final climax setting always being in like a big house or like in a big party um, was always a great thing to me because um, it gave people another like sense of fear, like how Halloween gave people a sense of fear of like fear of suburbia. You know, it was the first time that they brought horror home. Um, and a lot of these slashers, you know, having the climax be at a party kind of gives people another fear um, that, you know, some someone may be lurking in the shadows in this crazy party that everybody's having a good time, but you don't know one person could be out back getting stabbed or something. Um, True. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So you mentioned the characters, you mentioned a couple of them so far.
2: Who's your favorite screen character? I'll, I'll let Andrew go on this one. Cause Andrew loves this guy
1: so uh randy (laughs) um the oh my god that guy is so funny (laughs) (laughs) he's he's the best he uh he's the horror movie trope guy uh horror movie nerd um i think every scene like especially like in the video store um and he's talking about who it could be and just like the way he interacts with the world is kind of like i feel like the way the audience is interacting with the film and like i don't know it's almost like he's like he's scared but he's also like being goofy about it but he's like taking it seriously at the same time like it's like (laughs) i don't know like the other characters like (laughs) um like what gets me sometimes is like when drew barrymore's character just gets like you know brutally stabbed and killed and then like we cut like to the school or whatever and it's like (laughs) people are not taking it seriously at all they're like joking around about who could be i don't know but like maybe it's me you know and it's like I feel like Randy was, like, the only character that played both, like, the serious side and, like, the kind of satirical side that the audience is watching the film with. Like, I feel like the audience is watching it both as, like, you know, it's satirical, but it's also, like, there's more... To this story, there's like more of an like a serious narrative. but I can like watch it in both ways at the same time, it's like the best of both worlds. And I feel like that character captures that.
2: Yeah, okay. I would say my favorite character that comes to mind right now is a uh, Stu Mocker, Matthew Lillard, Shaggy. You know, that's mm-hmm. my guy. Um, he has a lot of really great lines uh, throughout the the movie. Um he's a lot of great like subtlety, um, like foreshadowing stuff too, that's like kind of taken taking a back seat to like how goofy he is throughout the entire movie. Um but like in that final uh interaction the slasher explains, um he's he's pretty terrifying with how crazy and like intense he is. Um Also got to give a shout out to the only cop I will ever love, uh, Dewey (laughs) Riley. Um, Mm -hmm. Love his theme, love his and Gail's relationship. Um, That's the only reason I would say to watch 3 and 4, is to see how their relationship evolves to that point. Um, Because then, like you see a bit in Scream 5, how -hmm. that ends. But to see their journey, um, especially through 3 and 4, is pretty awesome. but yeah, Dewey's great, a really selfless character. Um, you forget about him a bit in some of the sequels, but like his sister did die in the original Tatum. Um, who's also another great character, you know, a turn on the on the horror um archetype. Um, still really funny, you know, one of her best friends and you know, connected to all of the core players. Um yeah. For sure.
0: Yeah. Stu, Matthew Lillard, that guy is just, he's insane in this mm-hmm. film. It is crazy. Like, <laughs> so good. What a performance. Yeah. kind I his hate, uh, awesome. wait, go ahead. His range is
2: just amazing. For yes. real.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of hate when uh, characters aren't allowed to be dead in franchises. Mm-hmm. But if in Scream 7, they want to bring my boy back. I'm down for it because he's so so awesome. (laughs) Like we needed more.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, it would, it'd be a bit cheap for sure. Um, Especially because it would be after, you know, 20 plus years. Um, But it would, I, I do love that he has a pretty iconic kill or death um, that he dies in a TV screen. Um, Super meta, super awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I would love for him. I mean, he said that he wants to be back for, um, some screams. He was in an early draft for scream three, but, uh, a lot of those drafts got scrapped cause it was like pretty leaky on, on that set. Um, and he had a, had a slight cameo in scream six. Uh, he was the, uh, the Chrome face ghost face that you see in like the, uh, in the YouTube video that, um, whatever his face is, is watching <clears throat> Jack Quaid, whatever Jack Quaid video he's watching with uh, dead meat shout out to them. Um, so yeah, slight, slight cameo in that. So he's credited in that. And then, uh, yeah, but maybe, maybe
0: one day. Yeah, maybe. Um, I think my favorite is Gail Weathers, Just mm-hmm. is number one. Love Courtney Cox. Huge crush on her. Loved her in France. <laughs> Loved her in this. So yeah, already had some bias coming in. But I think it's such a fascinating approach on that character because she starts out as such a jerk. She's so rude and mean and vicious and s- selfish. Like she's trying to get the best story. So the commentary on that of like her opening up wounds regardless of how that affects the victims like Sydney Prescott, um, just so that she can advance her own career. Like that kind of scumminess, I think is great to portray in like opportunistic um, journalists and things like that. Um, but then you see her have like a genuine like attraction to Dewey. Like it could have been, Oh, she's just doing this to get closer mm-hmm. to the case and whatnot, which maybe is how it started out. But even in that first, sort of encounter when he's going into the school you see that she's like genuinely has an interest in him and then it just builds throughout the rest of it in this nice organic way so i thought that was really sweet and then of course she's essential to like taking down uh billion stew in the end so i think the layers that they give to her and that they like expand on in future sequels as well where she always has that like herself first selfish sort of uh approach to things but she does have a heart she's gonna do the right thing at the end of the day Um, i think it's just a very fascinating layered character Um, and then same with sydney prescott in this one where she has such a traumatic backstory but it ties in so well with what's happening in the film like the whole thing of her not wanting to be intimate with billy coming from a fear of becoming like her mother um, who was seen as someone that just slept around and all this. Um, so she doesn't want to do that. She also is over the course of the film, like she's starting to doubt and second guess whether or not she did identify the right killer of her mother. Um, and that was like what Gail was doing the whole time was saying like, oh, this guy was framed or this was not the right guy. And then as she thinks initially that it's Billy, gets him arrested, but then ghostface appears somewhere else and then he gets released and she's like oh i was wrong about him so maybe i was wrong about that initial guy and she's like all confused about that now i just think that was a very like fascinating complex approach to her having this backstory which informed all her choices and how she was acting like i thought that was all really well done um plus yeah she's just like Nev campbell she's very likable as well um So you already have that sort of immediate attachment, but I think all those other layers that they give to her, that makes it such a tragic incident that's like happening to her. Um, I think it makes you have a strong, strong connection for her. Um, So that's why, yeah, I think she's definitely going to be one of the best final girls and why people were clamoring for her to come back and scream seven since she was She was not there in Scream 6. Yeah. Uh, But yeah. Uh,
2: It's it's pretty awesome to have, like, a character like Gail Weathers in a movie that's, you know, in the 90s of, like, a really, like, career-driven woman. um, That's, like, you know, she doesn't do a lot of, like, grimy things to get to where she wants to be or where she needs to be, like she's just a good reporter. She's like very investigative. And, you know, you'll see that in some of the later ones too, where she is like more, she cares more about like just finding, um, who Ghostface is rather than like the story. Like, you know, she's written a book for every single scream. Um, and that's kind of like been a thing of, you know, you're exposing trauma, um, that you know doesn't really need to be shown because um, they're gonna make a movie about it anyways, which they do. Um, but you know, like she said, she's like, someone else is gonna do it, so it might as well have come from me who has experienced it and lived it. Um, and yeah, Sydney is you know another great example of a really strong like final girl that makes a lot of like well-informed choices. Um, you know, that the stuff with her mother just adds on to the virgin trope, um, that eventually, you know, she does have sex later on, but still survives. Um, cause that's what all great final girls do. They, they beat the tropes in the end. Um, but yeah, to, to see Gail and Dewey's relationship like evolve is also because they, uh, had like a off screen relationship, you know, for a long time, and that also kind of paralleled to like Scream Five to where their relationship ended because it also ended in in real life. Um, so a lot of these like characters like mimic or parallel their like real life counterparts because um, you know Courtney Cox, she she didn't stop doing movies after nineteen ninety six. Like she's she kept on getting, getting cast, getting, getting roles. Um, so I mean, they're all really great, um, characters, which I think just adds to the scream franchise. Cause Ghostface is great. Um, it's changes every time, which I think is a great, um, thing for horror. Um, cause a lot of these slashers, they're the same person, um, just with different stunt stunt people. Um, and, it's kind of most of the time unexplained as to why they're they are immortal but uh yeah like you said it, it gives ghostface a a real mortal feel um that you can stop him uh but a lot of the times it's really really hard to do so so uh you know after a while it kind of just after after all the copycats you know it gets gets a little uh tiring to where you're like uh can 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 we ever stop this and it's kind of like another take on like the immortal slasher of like you know all of these copycat killers um are going to keep on coming because of one how iconic the ghost-faced killer is but also just you know how that kind of would in that universe give you um a sense of immortality because you would kind of live on forever, and that's was like another uh theme of like Scream Six was like their legacies living on forever, um, even when they're dead. Um,
0: yeah, awesome. So, did you guess who the killers were, Andrew? When you were watching uh,
1: it? I didn't know, I kind of so just being in film you kind of like semi get spoiled for things like you know Mm -hmm. just but you don't like intentionally like remember those things i had a feeling it was gonna be like matthew lillard's character um just from like what i knew from the internet from being in film school from just existing but uh the two killer approach um i kind of just i don't know i think i think i didn't really (laughs) put it together um i think it was convincing like really convincing uh like um billy just like walking down the stairs and it was just like wait a minute <laughs> how that happened i think i like at that point i kind
2: of understood he fell down those stairs he, <laughs> he, he took a long tumble down those those two <laughs> of stairs
1: yeah it was still like a very well put together like ending in um i think in 1996 no one knew that was gonna come so that was gonna be the case so <laughs> And it was, yeah, I, so I didn't know exactly the killers going into it. but
0: Yeah, yeah I thought uh, it was a really good twist. I think at some point, just because I knew like Ski Ulrich, um, just knowing the kind of actor he's went on to be, like he was one of the, he never became like a huge, huge name, but he definitely is one of the bigger um people at least at that time that's come from it other than like the main protagonists because they've all had great careers since Uh, but just because him other than matthew lillard was like the people that i thought it could be just based on the uh the billing that they would have for the actors i suspected it was him but i think did a lot of great work throwing you off the trail with like him getting um arrested and then you find out oh ghostface was around somewhere when he was in jail so then that sort of clears him a bit and then again when he gets stabbed by the ghostface um i was definitely doubting it more i was like okay i don't know how he's pulling this off but <laughs> i think it's still gotta be him so yeah once he started coming down the stairs i was like okay yeah we're we're going for it um but yeah the stew reveal is also just it makes so much sense at the end of the day but it was not uh what i expected of him being the other killer um but yeah it was it was great the whole finale as well um just sensational like all that stuff in the house when they're in the kitchen and he's explaining all his motivations and they really get to go in there on the uh like acting just pure evil um and of course matthew lillard is like going over the top with it but (laughs) like it's so good it was so entertaining um but yeah just the The way all that came together, the reversals here and there of, like, Gail gets the upper hand with the gun, but doesn't have the safety off. So then it goes back to uh, the killers, but then sydney has gone. I just think that construction of the finale um, was really tense, really well executed. um, And yeah, again, a great twist of there being those two killers. um, Yeah, it was, it's definitely iconic for a reason makes this scream that much better than I feel like the other ones. Since then, you just can't match the original, you know? I mean, it just did it perfectly. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they cut out, um, you know, I was doing research. I do the MPA cut out like a lot of stuff. Um, You know, they drew Barrymore's was initially more, More uh, visceral, more bloody. If you could believe it, Um, they were thinking about um, cutting up even more, or like cutting out even um, the stabbing scene with Stu and um, Billy, because it's like a—it's not because they were stabbing each other. It's because they were stabbing each other in like a self-harm type of way, and and in like a uh, like doing it for an ulterior motive um, that like. The MPA was like, No, you can't you can't do that. That's that's a different type of stabbing. This is this is wrong. Um, what you know that's they talk so about
0: absurd. Like some of yeah. the things that they flag as being like too gratuitous or too graphic. It's like what we could have them stab all the victims all day long, but if they stab each other for the purposes of like framing the uh Sid's father Mm-hmm. like that's too far it just it never makes sense
2: yeah it was it was pretty rough that was like around like the 80s and 90s or like that was why the slasher genre was dying was because the mpa was like really cracking down on that stuff um so like a lot of the kills uh that like audiences came to see um were being cut down so like that's why the slasher genre was like dying down a bit but uh thanks to west craven he Revitalized it um, with Scream, um, but yeah, the, the finale was great. That's a really essential part to slashers is the finale, um, especially the like unmasking finale. Because um, like the finale with you know Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween, it's kind of just like a a finale just to have one. There's no really big explanation. Like it's kind of just they kill people, and that's fine. Um, deal with it But so this and like the other screen you kind of get good motives get some bad motives too um, but overall they're, they're pretty good you can really get a good sense as to why these certain people would do this in this universe um, especially with the rules that they established in this first one
0: um, yeah all right any other final thoughts on the original screen
1: uh when Matthew Lillard's character is like like my parents are gonna be so mad or <laughs> <laughs> like that made me like laugh. I was I was laughing. <laughs> yeah,
0: the physical comedy he was putting on that scene when oh, yeah. he's given the phone and they like adjusts it and it's like hello. It's yeah. just so <laughs> good. It's so amazing.
2: Yeah, that that scene, um they used like over fifty gallons of blood for like the entire movie and like a lot of it was like in that final um sequence and uh that's why like like one of my favorite lines is you hit me with the phone dick <laughs> uh because it just like slipped out of Steve Ulrich's hand um because it was so bloody but he just you just threw it at him. Uh and I think that's just really great. Um yeah I I say this like with like other meta horrors too, but like I hope to make a horror that's good enough to be referenced in like a good meta horror like this, you know? Like to have, because they have, they reference like Prom Night and they reference like all different types of like horror classics. That's like, I would know that I made it when I could get my movie or like my something that I made referenced in something like this. Um, yeah,
0: that's true. Yeah, it's a great benchmark for like having made a classic horror film.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, because yeah, there's a whole bunch in there. Yeah, Friday the 13th, Halloween, Carrie, it, the list goes on and on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, all right. How many ghost face masks out of five, Blake? I think we have a good idea of what your answer will be, but uh, <laughs> five full five. Andrew, how about you?
1: I got to check my letterbox, but I think I gave it a four and a half. Um, I'm very strict on films, um, but recently I've been kind of handing out fives to a lot (laughs) of films. Um, Yeah. Four and a half? I'll just say four and a half. Four
0: point five question mark for Andrew. Um, I'll give it four ghost face masks out of five again which for me not a non-horror enjoyer Mm -hmm. is really really good because that puts it up with i think there's only a few because the thing i've seen that i think i also gave that a four Mm -hmm. despite me being able to recognize the brilliance i don't know if with horror there's just always something that um like put me off from it but yeah a four uh out of five so before we wrap up i just wanted to gauge what your rankings were for the rest of the Scream franchise since you both have seen all six. So, uh, Andrew, do you want to start with you?
1: Alright. Uh, So, one. Then I probably have to rewatch two. But I think I want to put six below. I want to go one, six, two, and then three four, or oh, we got five.
0: five. <laughs> <laughs> um, one six two five three
1: four. One six two five three four.
0: Okay. Yeah. Fascinating. All right, and then Blake, your definitive stream rankings.
2: Uh, so I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have the uh, the same top three as Andrew. I'm gonna do one six two. Um, six was great because two was great. Like six is a is a direct requel, I would say, in the same way that five is a direct requel to one. Um, but without two, six wouldn't have been as as great. So mm-hmm. it's like a it's a weird thing. But um, I will say. One six two, and then five four three.
0: Five four three. Okay. Yeah. So you guys are you just have one thing different?
2: Mm-hmm. Three and
0: four. You have swapped
2: around. And
0: four. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, for me, obviously three and four are not on my list, but I guess like, <laughs> they'd be at the bottom of the list. So, um, I would go one, two, five six y'all were big fans of six i'm surprised about that
2: yeah six six was really awesome uh for me at least it was uh it was a thing of where they took uh ghostface to like obviously two was at a college as well but six was like at a college in new york which is a a big slasher thing you know they had some of uh, Jason goes to Manhattan on the TV in the opening which is pretty mm-hmm. awesome um, and then I loved the the chase scenes they didn't have really if any chase scenes in five um, so they really ramped that up in six um, and all of the horror references you know they had it be around Halloween so they had a lot of people in costumes it was really great you could really point out a lot of stuff um, from you know, Carrie Friday thirteenth, even I think you should believe they have a, a reference to some a shirt in there. That's pretty awesome. Um, and then yeah, they have they have the core four. Uh I think it's one of the weaker um killer reveals. Um that kind of goes along with two or three, I would say, um, as weaker killers. Um but I think still overall is is great. Like I said, because 2 is so great, it kind of just builds off of that. Um, there's a lot of parallels with, with 2. Um, but like they said in the second one, by definition, sequels are inferior films. So <laughs> you can't beat the original. Very
0: true. Well, all right. That's all the time we have. I'd like to thank Blake and Andrew for coming on the show. Thank you guys so much. It was great having you.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us. It was awesome. Yeah.
1: Thank you.
0: Our main title theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. If you want to give your thoughts on the show, you can email us at the box show pod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to give us five stars on whatever podcast app you're listening to, we'd greatly appreciate it. Be sure to tune in next week. Have a great rest of your day.